And it's, it's important when we talk about focuses on the Bible. And so if I said, is the Bible the most important thing to you? You would say what? Yeah, I wouldn't say nothing. You were right, Brother Wesley. <laughs> Let me ask you again. Is the Bible the most important thing to you? If I said God's word is the most important thing to you, is there a difference? The Bible, Scripture, is the Bible God's word? Just things for you to think about because I'm probing at you right here, okay? But let's think, how important is the Bible? How important is God's word? How important is God? Y'all getting it now. Now we're rolling. Huh? All righty. So I've been thinking about this and started thinking about praying on this and, and working on this this week. Um, but it's, this is a scripture that I want you to, to look at. I want us to look at these first three verses. There's five, I think, verses. But the first three verses are pretty, pretty solid. I take it back. All of them are solid. But, but to me, they just kind of hit me. When I was studying this, this scripture, so I want us to work through it together. I wanted the, the young people to be in here tonight. That's why I asked Terry if we could just have them in there because this is irrelevant. This is not irrelevant. It is relevant to all ages. Okay? And so I want to work through it with you. So, so ministries of God's word, the Holy Scriptures, the inspired word of God. All right? That's important to me. So to me, the word of God is the most important thing in my life. Okay? Salvation, obviously, is the most important thing in my life, but I wouldn't know nothing about salvation if I didn't know the Word of God, right? Amen? Only way I know about it is because of the Word of God explains it to me, all right? Otherwise, it's just a word, all right? But I know it that way, and I know it because that's, that's what's important to me. Obviously, the most important event in my life was when I turned my life over to the Lord, all right? The most important thing that God has done for me is provided me a sacrifice to pay for the sins that I committed, so that I could have eternal uh, life with him in heaven. So let's look at some things together. I'm going to give you a few things to lead into it. Then we're going to look at this scripture because i got some things I want you to pay attention to. No fill in the blanks, but you're going to underline or highlight or whatever you want to do with it when we get to it. As Christians, we need to understand what the Bible is and what it does. Would you agree? We need to understand what it is, and then we need to understand what it does. Because it does a whole lot more than just sit on the counter. It does a whole lot more than just lay on the coffee table. All right? It's pretty important thing to me, but we need to understand what it is, and then we need to understand what it does. Okay? All right. Now, when he wrote about the creation, all right, and we're talking about David, and this psalmist in this particular passage is David, all right? Now, when he wrote about creation, David used the word Elohim, which means what? All right, well, let's move a little bit further. The name that speaks of God's great power. All right, we're going to have a flashback. We get William to redo the names of God so we can go back through it again, all right? Elohim, God's great power. When David wrote about God's word seven times, he used the covenant name Jehovah, revealing that God's creation, all right, the God of creation, all right, it's also, we're talking about Elohim, also the God of personal revelation to his people. What does that mean, personal revelation to his people? Break the word down. Revelation means to what? To reveal. 
to open it up so that God is revealing himself to his creation. He's opening up. He's telling what he is. He's showing his characteristics. He give you names to give you characteristics to go with us. But this passive scripture is full of characteristics about God and how it describes us who God really is and who he is. All right? He's a, he used a personal revelation for God and his people, revealing himself to mankind. Now, here's something you already know. The heavens declare God's glory, but the scriptures, which is God's holy word, all right? The scriptures tell us what God did, all right? And they allow us to be able to share in the glory that he provides for us. And that's what the scriptures tell us. It'd be hard, you know, back in the day before the scriptures, they had to read scrolls. Nobody had a copy of it. They had to memorize things so, just so they would have it because they didn't have a, a printed copy to keep in their hand so that they could read every single day. They had to memorize it, all right? So, but it tells us what he did and it allows us to share in there. Now, there's no conflict between God, what God does in his universe and what he says in his word, amen? No conflict. It's the same thing. What God created, uh, he, he said was good. The, things that, the way he holds his world in, in together is all the same as what's in God's printed word. There's no conflict between those two things, all right? Now, it was by his word that he created the world, correct? God spoke and the world came into existence. Now, look here. In Genesis chapter 1, we read nine different times in the verses of the words, then God, what? Said, Then God said, if you look in Genesis 1, you can see in, in verse 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, 26, and 29, then God said. Every time he spoke, something took place. Every time he said something, something took place. Organization, uh, creation, all right? Then God said, and it was by his word that he controls the world. Now let's look at the scripture together. All right, a couple things I want you to pay attention to in verses 7, 8, 9. There's going to be some words that I'm going to come back to and look at, but I want, we're going to read this passage, and then we're going to look at this together. So let's, let's look at Psalm 19, 7 through 11 together. Now, this version that I gave you is from the New American Standard, and that's why I marked it so that you would know where I pulled this from, okay? Verse 7. Every one of these, now let's look at them together. Every one of these describes the holy God. It describes El Shaddai, the almighty God. All right, so let's look at it. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. Verse 10 and 11, here we go. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the dripping of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. Here we go. In keeping them, there is great reward. Keeping the Lord's commandments, there is great reward. Not that we do it before the reward, but let me tell you something. Following the book, following the Bible, being true to the Bible, applying it to our lives, walking with the Lord, there's reward in that. And what's that reward? Eternal what? Eternal life. We talked about life in the last two sessions, all right? So let's look at this thing. I want you to underline these words. Perfect. Sure. Everybody got a pencil or pen? I'm going to give you a second. 
I didn't give you no fill in the blank, and there's a reason for it right there. I want you to underline these words. Perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. I gave you some words here. One, two, three, four, five, six words. Now tell me the similarities in these words. Tell me what these words mean to you. How do you see these words? Perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. What do you get? What do you see in these words? And then how do you? How do they make you feel? Tell me what. How do these words make you feel? What's that, Craig? Without fault. What was the other one? Assured. Assured. Okay. What else? How do these words make you feel? When you hear the word perfect, how do you feel? All right. Not too good? Huh? Perfect. All right. We know we're not perfect, but when you hear that word, you think about a pristine. You think about something that's accurate. You think about something you can count on, right? All right. So what about sure? All right, positive, right, pure. What does pure tell us? It's clean, all right, all right. And then clean is the next word, and then true. So this is what he says. That These are all the concepts of the Lord God. Man, he's perfect, he's true, he's right, he's pure, he's clean, and he's true. All right, so these are characteristics of God, and they're characteristics of God's word. All right, the scriptures in the Bible. All right, so look at this. Same thing. Underline these words. Restoring, wise, rejoicing, enlightening, enduring, and righteous. What do you think about those words? These words give us a small glimpse of how majestic God is. They tell us just a small, minute glimpse of how great the, the Heavenly Father is and how El Shaddai is. They show us some things that are pretty specific, and they give us a desire to know Him better. Do they not? When you see those words, do you not want to know more about the person that stands behind these characteristics and character in these words? I and mean, that should give you a craving to know more about him. And those are some, some things I pointed out in that. So let's look at some things together. Let's look at what the Bible is, okay? All right? And then we'll look at some different things about it. The law of the Lord. That was one of the first things we talked about in verse 7. The law of the Lord represents instruction, guidance, direction, and teaching. The, the word is useful for, for uh, rebuking. It's useful for correcting. It's useful for guiding. It's useful for direction. There's not a single thing that you face in your life that can't be navigated through with the Bible, with the Word of God. Amen? All right? It includes all things that help us grow in our relationship with God. Uh, it refers to all of God's revelations about Himself. Now, God's Word is perfect. Like, like Greg said, it's flawless. And it's complete. Those are also solid words. Complete, all right? It's all that you need. There is not one thing else that you need. When you got this book, you don't need another book. Now, I, I have read hundreds of books. But if the book doesn't fall and support from the Bible, it's not worth reading unless it's just a, a not a science fiction, but if it's just reading for pleasure. All right, But you've got to be careful with that as well. But when you're reading a book that talks about the Word of God, it needs to be based on Holy Scripture. All right, 
<clears throat> All right. Now, in other words, Scripture lacks nothing. It's 100% accurate. It's 100% pure. Everything you need to know uh, to, to do and be what God expects you to be is found in the Bible. It's revealed in His Word. Now, if you want to know what God expects of you, what do you do? Read it. There you go. If you want to know what God plans for you, if you want to know how God orchestrated this whole thing, if you know what he expects of the Christian, you just read his word, and it'll tell you, it explains it absolutely. Now, the Bible, the word of God, can renew you. It can strengthen you. It can provide you with an abundant life. That's what Jesus said. Now, what Bible version do you read? That's a question that I get a lot of times. What Bible version should I read? What Bible version do you read? Well, I like this version. I like that version. I like this version. Let me tell you something. Every version you read is a translated English version from the original Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic writings, okay? So somebody or some group of people had to sit down who knew how to read Hebrew, had knew how to read Aramaic, who knew how to read Greek, they had to translate that into an English language, all right? So you, we, we are at the mercy of those people who translate it. Unless you can read Hebrew or unless you can read Greek, then you can get an original Bible and read it, all right? But, but we are at the mercy of those people who translated it. Now, can anybody tell me who translated the first English Bible? You got, they burned him at the stake, in case anybody was wondering. That, that ring a bell? Huh? His last name was Tyndall. Anybody know who that is? Forget it. Okay, we'll move on. It was, but anyhow, it was a little trivia for you, Myron. You can take that. Huh? <laughs> oh, I'm losing y'all, ain't I? All right, hang in there. We're going we're gonna to get this done, all right? All right. Let's see, where was we at? What were we talking about? Human language translated. All right, that's what we're talking about. English version. Any version that you read is a, uh, is that is not, that, wait a minute, any version that you read that does not compromise the Word of God is fine with me, all right? So, so that, as long as it doesn't compromise the Word of God, it is okay to read. Some people like the NIV. I'm going to tell you, this was the New American Standard, all right? I use the Christian Standard a lot. Those are my two main ones. The reason I use the New American Standard a lot of times with the Old Testament is because when I was studying Hebrew and I would put the Hebrew Bible up, and then I would put the other Bibles to com compare them together. The New American Standard was the closest to the original Hebrew. And that's why I use it for the Old Testament many times. And so that's just my thoughts on that. All right. Now, let's look at this. The Word of the Lord. All right. Here's the thing. The Word of the Lord is alive. It provides life. God's Word is alive. It's not just a book. It's a, it's a manual, but it's alive with information. It gives us a lot of teachings. It tells us all about life. It talks about death, too, but it, it is alive with information of God's Word. God's Word not only has life, but it provides spiritual life to everyone who reads it and receives it. Now, when we talk about God's Word, His actions, and His love, it is, a, it is centered on eternal life. Now, the Word of the Lord sustains life for all the people who apply it to their lives. And that is very important. You can read the Bible. You can study the Bible. You can meditate on it. But if you don't apply it, then, then it doesn't work the way that it's supposed to work. All right? The testimony of the Lord. The testimony of the Lord. All scriptures are God's witnesses about himself, of who he is, all right? what he has said, what he has done, and then what he wants us to do. 
All right? It gives us plenty of information from that. The witness of God displays about himself in the written word is sure and reliable. We know that because the scripture tells us that. And through his word, we become wise concerning salvation and how to receive Jesus Christ by trusting Jesus Christ. It's all written down for us to understand how to do it. And the principles that are found in the Bible provide us with successful living. All right? They give us guidance. They give us what we need to have successful living. Now, God's word helps us make wise choices. If you want to make wise choices, you bank on God's word. And he shows you how to make wise choices. Now, let's move on. The precepts of the Lord. This is also something that's called statutes. But the precepts of the Lord are detailed instructions concerning the practical matters of everyday life. And that's the thing is you want to understand what it is I'm supposed to be doing. When you look in the Old Testament, these precepts for the Jewish people and the Old Testament Jews, the precepts told them how to dress, what to eat, how to stay clean. These are all the things of God's word that, that they use in the Jewish community, and that was the precepts of the Lord. Now, God's principles found in Scripture lead a person down the right path. They tell us where we ought to go. They tell us where we should not go, all right? They lead us down the right path, and they promise blessings. And that was the, the last Scripture we looked at. Your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. But it promises us blessings for those who follow the, the commandments that he has given us, all right? Now, <clears throat> let's move a little bit further about the commandments of the Lord. Because the Lord loves us, he commands us what to do, and then he warns us what not to do. So he tells us exactly what we need to do, but he also gives us warnings about things that we shouldn't do, and those are important. And he does that simply because he loves us. Now, here's the thing. How we respond to the commandments is a matter of what? Life and death. And it all come back to that? Seems like we're talking more about that here lately, aren't we? All right? But isn't that what it's all about? Eternal life with God, or eternal separation without Him? So what is death? Sin, sin is what? Death. All right? Satan is, is centered around death, but sin is actually death. God is life. All right? Um, Satan is darkness. God is what? Light. And it's just the opposite of that. All right? So, all right. So... All right, so when we look at that, all right, how we respond is a matter of life and death. Now, the commandments of God are pure. That's what the Bible says. And they lead, a, lead us to a pure life if we obey them in our hearts. Now, the commandments of the Lord illuminate our path of darkness in our lives. It's light upon my feet and illuminates my path. All right, so let's look at this one. All right, flip it over. The fear of the Lord. This is one that a lot of people have a hard time with it when they, when they say the fear of the Lord. What, what does that mean, the fear of the Lord? Well, you think about it. When you fear something, what is it? You're a what? What? Let's just break it down. I'm not talking about God. If, I'm, if I fear something, what is it that I'm afraid? Right? Y'all don't quieten down on me now. We'll go back to the fill in the blanks. Are you afraid if you fear something? Yeah, your fear, your fear uh, the pastor's going to preach too long. Is that a good one? You never have to worry about that. 
All right, fear of the Lord. Let's look at this. This is so important. You need to understand the word fear of the Lord and the phrase fear of the Lord. This is an unusual way to describe the scripture, but it reminds us that we cannot learn the word of God unless we show reverence and respect to the God of the word, the God of the Bible. All right, You can't learn about the, the, the God of the Bible unless you show reverence to him because he is what? El what? Shaddai. He's the almighty God. He's the creator of the universe. He is holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. We're not holy, holy, holy. All right? We would strive to be like him, but we're not. He is holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. And that's what we need to fear the Lord. So we need to show reverence. That's what it means. To fear the Lord means to show reverence to him, to, to give him the glory that he deserves, to show him exactly who he is as compared to who we are, all right? To teach the Bible is to teach the fear of the Lord. The, to fear the Lord does not mean to be afraid of Him. It simply means to recognize Him for who He is as the Almighty God. And that's important to know, and that's how we understand that, all right? When some of the fears people have might be distressing and even hard to understand, the fear of God is completely the opposite. It's like life and, and death. It's complete. Uh, to fear God, it's cleansing. It's maturing. It encourages us. It helps us grow closer to Him because we understand who He is and we show reverence to who He is. All right? It helps us to grow. Let me tell you, ask you something. Do you want to grow closer to God? Yeah, that's what we want, isn't it? It's what I want and it's what I want for you. And I, I think I've said that many times, but we want, as Christians, to grow closer to God. All right, So we have to fear God because of that. He's, he is the creator of the universe. We acknowledge that. His word is relevant and unchanging. That is so important. His word is relevant to my life. It's relevant to this church. It's relevant to, to ministry. It's relevant to this country. It's relevant to this world. And it's unchanging. It's been tested yeah, all right, but it is unchanging, and that, that word is strong, all right? Now, let's look at the judgment of the Lord, all right? So the judgment of the Lord, the judgment is exactly what it says, all right? When you go before a judge, what's happening? You're being judged, all right? The judgment of the Lord, this can be translated as ordinances or verdicts because it pertains to the supreme judge of the world. Uh, it is appointed man wants to die, and after that, what? The judgment, all right? It's death. It's appointed every man wants to die, but then after that, the judgment by the supreme judge himself. Now, throughout the Bible, we see the Lord passing judgment. If you read in the Old Testament and in the different areas of the Bible, he passed judgment on people. He passed judgment on nations all throughout history, all right? All right? His rewards, his rebukes, his corrections, his punishments, all the things that he did help us understand what it takes to please God because he corrects. He doesn't hesitate to correct his children, all right? And it helps us understand what it takes to please him, all right? We can be assured that anything that comes from the supreme judge, and I didn't say the supreme court judge, I mean the supreme number one judge of the earth is righteous and true, all right? The ministries of the Lord. This is important as well. I'm going to put a couple things on your sheet here, but I've got some, some information for you. 
the last two verses of Scripture, they are more desirable than gold and sweeter than honey dripping from the honeycomb. There's nothing sweeter than honey dripping from the honeycomb. Amen? Amen. Man, it's good stuff. I had honey this morning, all right? I don't have a honeycomb, but I think that that would just be the awesome thing to have if I had one, all right? You think about it. Gold is the, is the standard that all value currency is measured against, all right? The, hum, the, the American dollar is based on what? The gold where? Fort Knox? Is it Fort Knox? Hadn't changed that, has it? Still there, all right? The gold standard, all right? So, so you think about it, all right? It's supposed to be gold is the value, most valuable commodity, all right? In the ancient world, gold and honey were two of the most valuable commodities there, but God's word is even more valuable than these two significant commodities in the ancient world and when? Today. No different. Right? That hasn't changed. God's word is unchanging. It has not changed whatsoever, all right? Now, here's something that's tough on a lot of people. You ready? You ready? The Bible is more precious and important than your paycheck. Any objections? This is the one I waited for. All right. You think about your, my career, your career, your life, your ch- paycheck. How excited did you used to get for that paycheck? Huh? Think? Was there ever a time in your life when you just looked forward to getting that paycheck? Huh? Yesterday? Huh? Before or after you saw the tax line. What? Do what? Before or after you saw the tax line. Well, there's, I mean, you think about it. Man, people live for that paycheck. That's an exciting day. That's the best day of the week when they get paid. Amen? Worked all week, but then payday is an exciting time. Let's think about this. What if you got that excited about reading God's Word? Just something to think about, all right? That was exciting. And when we know how important and hard to get that paycheck was, we know how hard we had to work to get it. Wouldn't it be awesome if we look forward to reading God's Word with the same intensity, the same enthusiasm as looking forward to receiving that paycheck, all right? And I'm going to tell you, there's some days in my, my path that I needed that paycheck, and I was excited when I got it, all right? So just think about that. But it's also exciting to to get into God's Word. Let me tell you, the deeper you get into God's Word, the more exciting it gets. Amen? You want to get excited, you got to dig into it. All right? All right. I was was dabbling there. I was hoping Tyler would be here for that. So he usually checks me on those kind of things. He said, you're meddling now, KD. You remember when I preached on Jesus turned the water into wine? Man, I caught it from that one. All right? He said, you're meddling. We, can't, we don't have no meddling in the church here. All right. All right. Where am I at? Scripture is more valuable than anything this world has to offer. Why is Scripture more valuable than anything the world has to offer? Because it has what the world, what? Y'all were here this morning, right? It has what the world needs. It has something that the world doesn't have. All right? You don't comprehend the sweetness of God's Word by merely reading it. You have to experience it. You have to live it. You've got you to pour it inside, okay? And you've got to experience this and live it. Here's this, Psalm 34, 8. It says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I put that on your thing. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's important. That's what he said. Taste it and see that the Lord is good, all right? Now, 
Let's look at some things. What the Bible does. So what we have just looked at is what the Bible is. All right? Everybody agree? So let's look at some things that the Bible does. And I put nine things down that just stand out. And it does a lot more than that. But let's look at these things together. What the Bible does. It converts. This is the same as restores. It changes people. All right? The word converts the sinner from his his or her ways. And it restores the saints when he or she wanders. It refreshes and it heals. That's what the Word of God does. All right? It converts. Number two. It makes wise. It gives and gives us godly what? Wisdom. All right? So there's five different chapters in the Old Testament considered wisdom chapters. Most of them were written by who? Solomon, wisest man to ever live. All right? So we get godly wisdom. The Bible makes us wise. It gives us direction. It helps us to know which direction we need to go. All right? Here's some more good ones. Number three, it rejoices. All right? Our hearts rejoice. The spiritual believer finds joy in the Word. Everything that we do about God's Word gives us joy. That's what He wants us to have. Happiness is one thing, but God's Word gives us inner peace and joy. All right? Now, it uh, enlightens. It produces uh, a peace in our life. It enlightens us. Uh, it endures. Other books fade and are forgotten, but the Word of God never fails. It never has to be changed. Uh, it is the number one bookseller in America. Amen? It's the number one book. All right? There's more copies of the Bible have been sold than any other book. And I can only imagine how many of those have been given away. All right, bought to be given away, and that's a that's a, a great ministry. All right, the Bible enriches us. God's words enriches us. It's better than gold or silver. That's what the that's what the scriptures tell us. If you go back to to Proverbs, you'll see that it talks about gold and silver and things of, and how important God's word is. Now, it satisfies. You ever had a need to be satisfied? All the time. When we left here today, I was hungry. I wasn't hungry. Y'all don't tell Patty I said that word. I told her, I said, you know what? In, in Tony Evans' last session, he said the word hungry. And she said, I don't doubt that. I said, but every time I say it, you correct me on it. And I didn't hear you correcting Tony when he said it. I hope she's not watching. If she is, if she is I'm in trouble. All right. Maybe the children got it wrapped up. All right, it satisfies, all right? Honey satisfies the body, and God's Word satisfies the soul, all right? It satisfies us, warns us. Number eight, it's better to prevent sin and avoid trouble than it is to confess sin and try to remedy the mistakes. You agree? Yeah. Knowing the Word and obeying it guides the believer on a safe path. Number nine rewards, all right? We don't become Christians because we want the rewards that go with it, even though the reward of having eternal life in heaven is the greatest reward we can get, all right? But we we become Christians because we want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of our life, all right? Now, money cannot buy the rewards of a godly life, a clean conscience, a pure heart, joy, peace, and answered prayers. You know, they say that, you know, money... uh, Money can buy happiness. Money can't buy happiness, all right? I don't care how much you get. It doesn't buy what God's Word can provide. There's a reward in keeping the Word, and the reward comes from acting on the Word. Now, 
Here's something that's delicate, and I'll, I'll tread over it just as light as I can, all right? The way we treat the Bible is the way we treat the Lord. You hear me? The way we treat this Bible is the way we treat the Lord. So it isn't difficult to determine where we stand in our relationship with God based on how we treat His Word. So think about that, all right? And I'm not singling anything out. I just wanted to throw that out. So, so questions to ponder on is some things that I, that I laid out for you. I like for you to think about these questions, and these are pondering questions, all right? So I'm going to ask you, we're going to go through them together. Do we desire His Word because it's precious to us? When you stop and just think about it, I want to read God's Word because it's precious to me. What does that word mean, precious? Yeah, something I hold close to me, something I hold dear. It's precious to me. Those babies are what? Precious. Huh? They're a gift. God's given us a gift that's just as precious as a newborn baby. All right? So it's precious to us, all right? Even more than wealth or good country cooking. Y'all want me to put that in there? <laughs> and let me tell you how precious that good country cooking is, all right? It's good to me. But the Word of God is more precious than that, all right? It's even more precious than some of them ribs that Brother Wesley cooks, all right? Now, do we find satisfaction in feeding on God's Word? After you've been into God's Word, after you've studied God's Word, after you've heard God's Word proclaimed, do you find satisfaction in that feeding on it? Do you, wanna, do you have a craving for more? You know, when you have something that's good, you typically want more of it, Amen. So when you get a hold to the Word of God and it's good, it's pure, it's satisfying, do you have a craving to want more of it, all right? Would you skip a meal to spend time meditating on the Scriptures, all right? Do we attend church dinners but not church Bible studies? Uh-oh. Do we accept the warnings of the Word and act upon them? Do we enjoy the blessings of the Lord because we've obeyed His will? Let me tell you something. Ain't nothing better than that. When God blesses you, you know, we, we're blessed far more than we deserve. Amen? We got more blessings coming out. I mean, we, every one of us walked in here. Uh, we, can, we can worship freely. You know, you have, everybody has at least one Bible you can read. Everybody's, you know, we're, we're all doing well. All right, but there's people that aren't, so you just think about it. To have an appetite for God's Word is a mark of a healthy church and a healthy Christian whose priorities are straight. So when you have an appetite for the Word, it's the mark and the sign of a healthy Christian and a healthy church. And a church is who? The body of believers, all right? All right, every one of us, all right. The Lord has sent the Holy Spirit to teach us His Word, and it's what, it's what He said. When Jesus said, I'm going to send Him back to heaven, the Counselor's coming, the Helper's coming. He's going to remind you of all the things that I've taught you. He's going to bring back, because you think about it. The, the disciples have been following Jesus around for three years. They ain't writing a lot down except for maybe Matthew, all right, because that, I, I assume that. I don't know. But when it comes time for Jesus to go, where's all their information at? What they can remember. And then what the Holy Spirit's going to bring back to them. Because there's going to be times when he's going to recall things for them. When he's going to put things back in their mind. Oh yeah, Jesus taught us that. But it's been three years ago since he taught me that. Oh yeah, Jesus told us this was going to take place. All right. And so as we think about it, the Holy Spirit has come to teach us his word. And if we walk in the Spirit, we'll learn and live the truth that is found in God's word. Amen? All right. Did y'all get it?
It was good, wasn't it? I, I, I found this passage and, uh, and started studying it, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, it's going to be good. All right. Well, thank you all for being attentive. I'm going to close this in prayer. If you have any questions, anybody have questions? I have one off the subject. You always have one, Stephen. Okay. I got to think about this last time. Why is it called Pineville? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I can't answer that question. It's on Pineville Road. I mean, there you go. See, you had to get somebody with some answers there. Huh?